Welcome to the State of the Garden. This is the official podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. I'm your host, Tom Marshall. All right, welcome to State of the Garden. This is Tom Marshall. I'm your host, and State of the Garden is in Princeton, New Jersey today where we are lucky to have a lot of members of the NJCIA. As you know, State of the Garden is the official podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. And as such, we have Timothy White, Dara Service, Dwayne Dinkins. So that's who's in the room, but actually, if you guys wouldn't mind just going around the room for the benefit of our audience and just say what your position is in the NJCIA, starting with you, Tim. Sure. Uh, Tim White, um, I'm one of the public affairs, government affairs consultants for the NJCIA. Great. And Dara, I know you're a co-founder. Hi, Tom. Yes. So as the co-founder and executive director, I am so thankful that you are our host for our podcast, State of the Garden. So thanks for having us. And then there's, uh, I've met uh, Dwayne only once before. And what do you do, Dwayne, here? My name is Dwayne Dinkins, uh, director of operations. And thank you, Tom. Absolutely. Thank you and welcome, everybody. Tim, we're going to start with you. You've been kind of the uh, veteran of all three of our legislative updates, as far as I can... (laughs) I have, yes. Yeah, as far as I remember. Oh, allow me really quickly to say, uh, State of the Garden is a proud member of the Osiris family of podcasts. Uh, Find other podcasts in the music and culture and soon cannabis categories at osirispod.com. We're getting a couple more cannabis uh, podcasts soon. Back to Tim. Last time we spoke, it was before the legislature went on summer break. At the time, there was a possibility that the medical marijuana expansion bill and the adult use bills could pass before that break, but it never happened. So where are we now with that? So yeah, this is New Jersey and uh, you can't predict politics, especially in this state. yeah, last time we met, I think it was, it was um, uh, probably a month before that that ominous uh, June thirtieth deadline, where um, the uh, annual budgets passed and the legislature traditionally goes on break for the summer. So we had expected for at least the medical uh, marijuana expansion bill, which is Senator Vitale's bill, um, to be considered and possibly passed before June thirtieth. Um, us in the industry were certainly hoping for that. Right. Um, the adult use bill needed some more work and certainly on the, the legislative side needed to, uh, to generate more support. But um, I thought at the time the medical bill had enough support. So what had happened was um, the uh, sponsors of the bill decided to um, sort of tether them together, not combine them together, but move these bills simultaneously so which is unusual like when you look at other states they usually get medical sewn up and then try to do adult use right we're kind of doing both together Mm -hmm. the thought was because basically you know obviously they're two different programs with two different objectives one patient focused on the medical side the other uh, on the rec side Um, but the the thought was if you're going to build out this industry and it's it's based on the same cannabis flower and the same processes uh, going same forward, supply, same really. supply, right? Yeah. Same um, whole legal framework, right? And sharing a lot of the the, the regulatory framework and the legal framework that um, New Jersey 
might be best suited to move both of these bills forward. From a political perspective, maybe there were some thoughts uh, given to the fact that the medical bill, like I said, has enough support to pass, and right. certainly uh, the governor supportive of it, um, and that, like I said, the, the recreational bill needed some work. So one of the benefits of tethering them together would be presumably that you'd encourage some legislators to come over and you know, vote for the adult use bill because they're supportive of the expansion of the medical bill. I'm going to interrupt just for a second. Sure. Um, from the advocacy point of view and from the industry side of things, tethering both bills together, in my opinion, is um, detrimental to the industry as a whole, considering the framework that we have in place currently that has been under severe scrutiny for many years under the previous administration. It didn't allow for a robust industry unless we have framework and the architecture set in place, which is what the Senator Vitale bill does for the industry. We won't have an adult use market. So to me, medical was basically already passed and agreed upon. The idea of now tethering them together almost is like one of those things where uh, you hear about in Congress where they write at the very bottom of a bill that's about to pass something else. So doesn't that kind of give the impression that we're trying to slip legal adult use under the door along with medical? Right, but I don't want to see what happened in California. I don't want to see this backdoor medical market be the recreational adult use market. I want to see an actual regulatory framework set in place that these facilities that are going to be licensed actually follow certain compliance. California had medical, a hugely robust medical program that basically the entire state just said, right. all right, it's, well, it's I'm medical now. open and free and, you yeah. know, my back hurts. I, you right. know, but I want to be able to do research and studies and, you know, really hone in on what specific strains affect which specific forms of cancer. And the only way to do that is to lay out the framework on the medical side of things, building uh. the industry that way so that when we do move to an adult use market, we can utilize the tools because it's much harder to regulate a medical market than it is to regulate an adult use recreational field. So do you think the likelihood of them passing together is is there? According to our Senate President Steve Sweeney um, just yesterday. I just saw that article. in Politico.com. Yeah, according to him, we, we do have the votes. So that's an optimistic uh, outlook. And, Good. you know, we're excited to see. And, and we're here, the association's here to offer any type of um, informational backups that may be required. Uh, On to another topic. Tim and I discussed the fact that during the past administration, when medical was technically legal but a little bit inaccessible for most patients, um, there were six functioning dispensaries. And those are still the only active dispensaries right now. However, the New Jersey Department of Health put out a call for six new treatment centers, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, Additionally, the six existing ones were given the ability to expand into another one as well. Correct. So to me, is that Um, six times three? Is that 18 that are right now officially? um, Well, no. So the six existing ATCs were were given two additional licenses, one strictly for cultivation in addition to what they were currently cultivating, um, and the other one for another off-site dispensary. Oh, okay. As part of 
you know them existing as being one of the first uh, you know six ATCs and sort of um, from a capacity perspective, the benefit is you know you're allowing these six ATCs to start um, their additional cultivating process and open up a retail dispensary. So it will it's a little stopgap to help the industry as the medical program grows and as we see more and more patients sign up for increase it, the supply it, increase the supply in the short term right. it's not a long term solution certainly um, you know the fact that the uh, department of health called for the the six new licenses uh, now in august uh, 2018 shows that the the department and the governor's office recognize that there is a supply issue Definitely. a supply shortage issue and it it gets worse every day as more and more people sign up for it so these are you know, and to some extent, the these six licenses are they're not perfect. The ATC model, I don't think anybody in the industry thinks that it's a it's a perfect model. Um, the the medical expansion bill will change that model, but the fact is that's the law we're working under right now. It's right. still it's literally the same law that was signed by Governor John Corzine in his last day of office in 2009. It's been tweaked a little bit, but basically, it's, we're operating under that same restrictive law. I see. Now, so those licenses that we're talking about um, are sometimes referred to as vertically integrated. Mm -hmm. Some of our audience is sophisticated enough to know what that is. But could you again kind of go over that? There's three components of licenses, right? Or permits. Sort of, uh, yeah, three, traditionally three uh, categories. There there may be a fourth that we talk about later. But um, uh, it's cultivation, manufacturing and processing, and then retail dispensary. So um, under, again, the, the law, the 2009 law, um, all of these functions have to happen within the same company. So an applicant would apply to the state when the state puts out their, their uh, request for applications. They would apply to the state and they would have to prove to the state that they're qualified to um, grow cannabis and cultivate it, manufacture and process it, and then sell it in a retail facility. Um, once the medical expansion bill gets signed into law, hopefully this fall, the department will be able to break up those vertically integrated issue licenses licenses in in one of those three or multiple categories. Because someone might be good at one thing and not Exactly, it's, you know, and we can make an analogy to pizzerias, right? If we, if you had to grow your own tomatoes at the pizzeria and make your own cheese, I mean, and then, (laughs) and then process it and then sell it in the same place, it would be an inefficient model, right? Because we know- It would probably be really good pizza. It would probably would, right? (laughs) Or even buying a car. You don't watch your car being built Oh, before right. you buy right. it you don't right. watch them put the pieces together and then say hey that's the car i want to buy yeah right and frankly we have operators that are really good retail operators that want to open up in new jersey but that's right. what they do they're retail specialists right and then Got we it. have really good manufacturing processing um folks and companies in different states that want to get into new jersey but they're really good at processing right they're not growers and they don't want to open source so it's, it's sort of that is the ideal model and i think most if not everybody involved in the industry understands that so yeah. that's where we're moving towards but we can't do that without a bill allowing us to do that do you so know why dara they're only limiting it to six i think that's just a number that they feel comfortable with and assume my assumption would be that if they don't see legislation um before the new year they're going to continue issuing six at six a time new six new six okay. new until they finally um put something forward that they can all agree upon. And when I say they, I mean the legislature and the executive branch. Oh, okay. So this is the executive branch putting these six out every time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, through the department. Because yeah. right now, under the current law, there's no 
limit to the number of licenses that they can award. Oh. There's three regions, which we're all aware of. There's the north, there's the central, and there's the south. Um, that's just how New Jersey breaks up. Right. Um, how many people are in New Jersey? Is it nine million? Just about. Nine, nine, nine million. And, and I saw change. somewhere, and yet you can't, this isn't a perfect analogy, but I saw somewhere that there's 2,000 pharmacies in New Jersey. And if they have six dispensaries, <laughs> that's obviously right. And to, to Tim's un, point, we wouldn't underserve. be having this conversation if we were talking about pizza. I mean, six pizza shops is not going to sustain the market for New Jersey's want and need for pizza. Right. Um, right. <laughs> not even my own. No sense. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. You know, you want options. You know, uh, customers want to see different brands. They want to see different. Um, companies enter the market and you know based upon track record they want to be able to make a purchase on um what they like right exactly and, and there's another problem to, to this too um these vertically integrated atcs what you're going to see um as far as these applicants who are applying in this round these are going to be you have to demonstrate that you're capable in all three categories right um, you have to have operating partners, you have to have capital, you have to have um, secured real estate where you're going to operate. This doesn't exactly allow for small New Jersey residents, uh, small business people, New Jersey residents, people in the minority communities who have been adversely affected um, uh, due to the war on drugs, who we want to participate in the process in the industry and give them opportunities. These are you're not going to see the mom and pops. Right. I mean, it's it's virtually impossible for somebody, no matter how well intentioned they are, to to qualify under this process. Right. You need, you're you're almost exclusively asking these big corporations with the ability to do this. They're going to be the only ones that that are really going to be qualified to uh, to submit these applications. We uh, at this point is are truly in a need. Um, because of how many applicants are coming on board as quickly as they're coming on board to be able to supply that demand. Um, and you need um, those organizations that can get up and running as quickly as possible mm -hmm. so that we can fill that gap and then start looking down the road to be able to put in the necessary steps for participation from local New Jersey folks to enter into into our industry. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate what you see happening is um, the scramble to get the minority participation and to get the women-owned groups and to get um, the economic uh, opportunity zones to um, be receptive to your participation in the communities. It's, it's a scramble and it's a challenge that these wealthy, ultra wealthy, I might add, um, groups bring to the table. You know, along with that, though, when you, when you look at the, um, the state in itself, as far as our local officials are concerned, uh, initially, I don't know if they saw the severity of the direction the state was going to be going into. Um, because there is a lot of pushback uh, in the beginning, and now the local officials are kind of stopping the press a little bit to get a little bit more educated. And I, I think that that's a, a barrier, you know, as well in, into all this is that they, the more they educate themselves as to what's going on with the industry, it's going to be that much more easier for us to have homegrown uh, entities, you know, enter into this. Dwayne, so, you yep. make an excellent point, and honestly, I you're 100 percent correct. The the municipalities were not given enough time, in their opinion, to prepare for the overload of applicants that are requesting these letters of intent and these letters of agreement in order to participate in the industry. You know, they 
feel that they were given two months notice and it, it's overwhelming and I, I can sympathize with how overwhelming they must be feeling and I would encourage them to reach out to the NJCIA um, in order to get some clarification on some points that they might not be privy to otherwise. So again, for uh, people that like Dwayne was talking about that might want to just open a store or that have a field that they might just want a cultivation license. The chances of that, those individual licenses or permits being available as opposed to these vertically integrated ones, that is more likely after the bill is passed. So yep, so, peop, so those people are going to have to wait, the local New Jersey yep. business people. Now, is there any component, any requirement that the wealthy people that you said that are coming mm-hmm. in here, um, you know, big corporations, uh, I mean, that helps New Jersey, of course, too. But um, the corporations... So long that, as the revenues stay in New Jersey. Well, correct. Correct. They have to sell all the weed that they grow and and extract and and, uh, dispense in New Jersey. So theoretically, the profits will stay here. But my question is, is there a um, mandatory component that they are from New Jersey or incorporated in New Jersey or anything along those lines? Not in this round. However, in the legislation that we've seen pending, um, there is a mandatory residency requirement. Okay. but that, I, I would suggest to residents in New Jersey who are looking to participate in the industry, and not just because they like marijuana or they used to smoke marijuana or um, they think it's a good idea. They actually have a skill that we can cultivate and we could, as the association, team them up with an out-of-state operator that's looking to get that New Jersey camaraderie that we offer. All right. Well, since uh, these six um, positions, when is the decision going to be made and how many people did apply for the six? So the applications are due on August 31st. We can only speculate on how many applications will be submitted. Um, I tend to think that there's only obviously only six licenses being given. They're going to be highly competitive. Um, We're seeing a lot of, you know, the bigger out of qualified nationally known out of state operators looking to submit applications in New Jersey. So number one, it's going to be high, very competitive. You're going to see some really, really good technical applications with some strong financing and some strong experience and, and all that, and partnerships. Um, and I tend to think that based on what I'm hearing, that it's going to be a little bit less. For example, um, we the Department of Health held a informational meeting for anybody that, that wanted to apply. I think the estimates were 800 people? Right? Yeah, 650 people. people registered the night before. Right. That was what they That's closed. just for an informational session. Yeah. It was a right. mandatory. So if you right. did not attend or register to be in attendance during this uh-huh. pre-mandatory conference, <laughs> you were not eligible to apply for a license. Okay, so somewhere below 650 people are going to apply for this. <laughs> yes. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But even if a third of those applied, you'd still have well over 200 people. Yeah. Right. I wow. Mean, yeah. But they're, they're very challenging applications. The, more than 100 people were there just to register and sign in. Yes. Which, yep. by the way, was a really good thing that I thought that the health department did mm-hmm. to bring in um, all the applicants to actually take the time to go through that process. Um, so kudos to Jeff and his team for yeah. that. I agree. After speaking to several different out-of-state representatives who have done applications in multiple states, 
their overwhelming support for what the department had done that day, it's unprecedented. No one, no other state has done something where they've incorporated all the different applicants who are applying for a license in the state to be brought together in a room to discuss what the application process looks like, what they need to qualify, and then to go even a step further and show them click by click how to then apply for this license. I hope that there's something similar in the future plan for everyday people as well, not Ab- just the big Oh, absolutely, yes. absolutely. And yeah. I'd encourage anyone who hasn't seen um, the live feed that the Department of Health has offered to go on our Twitter, our Instagram page, or our LinkedIn and look at our infographic that we've placed to describe how the application process works. At underscore NJCIA. Yes. All right. You guys keep mentioning these two bills that are sort of pending. And as you said, Senate President Sweeney was recently quoted saying that he's very confident that he has enough votes to pass. Are you guys in this room confident as well? Or like, give us some inside info here. What's going to happen? I'm a bad barometer because I'm way too optimistic about it. I mean, everything, <laughs> I mean, everything in general. And in our last podcast, I was basically guaranteeing we were going to sign this medical expansion bill before June 30th. So, right. I, but I would I would think that if the Senate president comes out um, and says something like that, that he's got the support needed to pass both of these bills, traditionally, that's pretty pretty believable pretty believable right okay that's great that's great now is this one kind of going down party lines or there's no real way you you can say that i'll tell you i'll tell you the way the numbers are breaking out especially on the adult use recreational side they're going to need republican votes okay it can't be all them the the numbers just don't break out okay so it's going to be not wholeheartedly bipartisan i wouldn't say but certainly a majority of it's going to be led by the Democrats in the legislature, but they're going to have to peel off some Republicans, both in the Senate and the Assembly, especially on the on the rec side. And you're starting to see a political shift in climate right now as is. I mean, the former Speaker of the House has joined hands with Acreage Holdings, which is a marijuana um, company, and you're starting to see the Republicans just change their views and slowly become more familiar and okay with not only the economic incentive that the marijuana industry offers, but also this could be a real benefit to cultural changes. Uh, two weeks ago, our speaker here in New Jersey, uh, Craig Coughlin, came out and said that he's supportive of both the medical and uh, recreational bill, which okay. is the first time he said that. But you know, with the political climate taking place right now in New Jersey, especially with midterms coming up, uh, a lot of them are looking at their positions right now and starting to change just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and they're trying to wrap their heads around this whole process. That's great. I mean, you can't argue against the uh, tremendous revenue that some of these states have seen. And, and you're future. starting to see some of the incumbents and um, other candidates actually endorse this as part of their platform. So that's, that's beneficial in, in multiple outlooks. Yep. I think that they should start really start looking at it from a standpoint of it's coming and how do we want it to look. Right. It's a right. tidal wave, and like, do you stand in the way or do you do you surf along with the wave? And there's benefits to, to jumping on the wave in the early part of the wave rather than later part of the wave from an economic perspective and a state-by-state perspective. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about state and national politics. Can we drill down a little locally? Um, as you guys travel around the state and you're talking with mayors and, and local officials, what concerns or issues are they having? What are you hearing from them? So that's... 
that's been the tricky part of this whole process, to tell you the truth, um, especially in the this application process where uh, prospective applicants will have to go in, um, secure a location for their uh, prospective ATCs, and then get sign off from the local municipality that they would be able to, to operate and open. Right. What we're finding is when we, we speak to a lot of local elected officials, it's not their fault. They're just not, um, they weren't given information from the state on how to address this and go throughout the process. There's still some issues, some legal issues and differences of opinion. Uh, what constitutes permissive zoning in one town may may not constitute permissive zoning in the town next to it. New Jersey is very, very much uh, based on local control. New Jersey's we, blanketed we, with it, these drug-free school zones. Yeah, that's another. It's a, but it's a, but huge, that's a huge problem. But if, ele- if, if marijuana is legal, then theoretically that should it's, not be in the drug-free school zone. Right. However, that's exactly However, one of them that you want in the right. drug-free school zone. Mm-hmm. And you don't it's still want marijuana. federally classified as a Schedule One drug. That's, that's crazy. So, the- so if it were being cultivated near in a school zone, I think that that's okay dispensed maybe that that would be different who knows how the law is going to change there right and some of the legislation that i've been looking at it says it follows the liquor model which says 200 feet from a school elementary to 12th grade so that's something that we would like to see be implemented oh Um, okay you can have a liquor store 200 feet from a elementary school according to our statutes yes you can (laughs) wow that's probably for the teachers, right? <laughs> Finishing their day. Um, so what's next? Assuming these bills get passed in the next few months and the state puts out additional calls for new licenses, do you expect mandatory vertical integration or separate in each of the, the categories? So I think, um, like I said, I, I think it's almost unanimous that everybody understands that the, the, the vertically integrated ATC model, which we're operating under, is not the best model. No, but are those going to continue so that, being offered? No. I, um, what we were expecting, and Dara, maybe you have a different opinion, but um, when these bills are passed and the department is, is allowed to break apart uh, the licenses into three separate categories, we're probably going to see, just from a supplies perspective, a call for cultivation licenses. Right. And maybe processing. There's the a lot time. of fields think, and right. warehouses in New Jersey yeah, that, that uh, all could be used for growing. Right. Absolutely. I think it should be optional. I don't think you should mandate it be vertically integrated. However, I don't think you should put a stopgap in to eliminate vertical integration. If you're good at all three verticals, then power to you. That means that you have the most experience, the track record to back up your merit, and you should be operating at all levels. But if you can grow well and you can't, you know, you don't have any experience in the retail side of things, then why should you mandate that you need to be proficient in all three verticals? I think you should be able to apply for the one that you are most proficient in. But I don't think that that should limit to those who are proficient in all three verticals. Right. I agree. Yep. That's great. That's a great discussion of the current state of the legislature. Is there anything we're sort of missing? Other than we're, as we sit here now in August 2018, you know, we're in the middle of this sea change, this epic change in, in culture, in this industry. And there's a lot of gray areas, a lot of moving parts, right? So it's, um, and, and, and that causes a lot of confusion. We talked about the confusion on the local level with the mayors. And it's, it's, it's not surprising that the public is a little confused and, and is sort of tracking what Trenton is doing and how this applies to them. And the mayors and local council people are, are still, you know, some of them are more up to speed on it than others. Um, but 
there's it's a lot of confusion it's fun to be to be involved in this industry right now because uh, amid the chaos if you could find your way uh, to help the industry and sort of you're charting new ground yeah and and, and build a program uh, an industry from scratch it's it's cool to be part of the process but right now it's it's this weird you know lots of moving parts lots of uh, ambiguity lots of gray areas in the legal the regulatory the legislative so it's it's uh it's a very interesting time to be involved in this industry it's kind of unprecedented in a way i mean you can look at alcohol prohibition if you are in support of the cannabis industry you're on the right side of history in my opinion and i think new jersey and i'm confident new jersey if done correctly has the poise and prestige to become one of the gold standards for the other states and throughout the nation to follow suit absolutely yeah i I agree with you there i think if you if you look at the the way new jersey normally works we most of the time we're very methodical the way that we move and get things done um, and, and I kind of think in this industry although I'm not a huge fan of regulations I think that this is something that really truly needs to be regulated but it needs to be regulated right so I think that when it's all said and done with New Jersey will be the model that other states follow because of how they're going to get things right and, we, and we've done enough education around the country to like see where uh, some of our partners have done some good things and some some things not so good, but we've been able to learn from that and bring it back here to New Jersey. Something that we didn't touch upon is the interesting climate between New York and Pennsylvania with respect to our attorney general. He has temporarily suspended all marijuana convictions until September which is interesting because now New York has also suspended all marijuana convictions with regards to smoking in public in Manhattan. So I think that that, you know, we make a move, they make a move. It's almost like a tri-state race at this point in time. And it's interesting because I'd welcome the opportunity to work with our neighboring states on coming up with best practices that we'd like to see moving forward because the East Coast is completely different from the West Coast regulations that are in place. That's sort of a wonderful social justice aspect of this. Um, there's people waiting, awaiting trial, and they've kind of been granted, um, you know what, we're not going to do your trial until legalization, right? Because right. they might be able to just walk away from this. Right. That doesn't help all the people that are in prison right now. Exactly. But that's, yeah. that's sort of being addressed as well. But there's going to be a way that you qualify for that, too. Right, and, and we're hopeful that this momentum continues throughout yeah. the legalization process in Absolutely. New Jersey. Absolutely. Right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for bringing me up to date and bringing the rest of New Jersey up to date on what's going on in the legislature. Um, Tim, thank you very much, and I hope you come back for the next legislative update sooner than this one. That was <laughs> I will a long be here. Time. Yeah, that was a long time. And thank you, Dara, and thank you, Dwayne, very much. Of course. Thank you, Tom. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.